Today I will be sharing with you details into my master plant dieta sitting under the Shipibo lineage. So 10 days of living in isolation in the jungles of Peru, four ayahuasca ceremonies, three sittings and receivings of the master plant Ubos, who is this badass warrior woman energy. And I will be sharing the nitty and the gritty. This was easily one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. And it is the most important thing I have ever done in my life. I learned lessons on loving and accepting myself without condition, lessons on beauty and worthiness. And I underwent intensive healing on an ancestral and a nervous system level, which I'm still going through. And the most important lesson I learned of all is that I am the medicine. So the healing continues. If you've been following me on Instagram, then you know by the small little nuggets that I've shared that integration has been no joke. And while I'm surrounded by supportive loved ones and I'm in therapy, it's it's a lot harder than the actual dieta itself. This is where the real change happens. Ayahuasca and all these plants, they're teachers. They teach and they uncover. I am the one who is meant to do the legwork. And it's not through motivation or excitement that I continue on. It's through devotion to my path and dedication to myself. That's, that's what's kept me going. So I spend a lot of time in this podcast talking about the details of my journey because it's so much fun. I know this is one of the longer ones. I just, I love a good story in the astral realms. And I, if you do too, you are going to have a lot of fun listening to this. But I just want you to know that when you do these medicines, you're saying yes to unfurling things. And, you know, sometimes when you return, life gets better and it blooms. But also sometimes, in my case, on my return, the things that I was numb to before, I'm very aware and awake to now. And so it feels like um, it's like clean up on aisle six, but also clean up on aisle three at the same time. Can you reach both arms at the same time? No, you used to do that. Now you have to focus on aisle six, but keep aisle three in the back of your mind. <laughs> it's, it's definitely requiring a lot of attention and a lot of presence. So thank you all so much for your patience, your love and your support. I'm so grateful that I have this community of humans around me who are cheering me on and also giving me permission. Well, while I don't necessarily need your permission to rest and recuperate, the the supportive messages that encourage this and, and grant that permission, they mean so much to me. So thank you all so much books for sessions are, are open. And so if you would like to schedule something with me, please reach out. I am starting school at the end of July. I would like to create a schedule for the end of the summer so that I can, you know, work things through. So if you have been feeling the call, now is the time to jump on in. And of course, I do sessions in, per in person. Ceremonies are all done in person, but I also do distal sessions as well and just something to mention I'm still very much on the medicine so I've noticed that my readings have been heightened I have this new found love and respect for the psychic readings that I haven't had in a while so it's good to have that back so if you want more details into that check that out in the show notes 
on that note, time for you to kick back, relax, and listen to the songs of this deep return back to myself. Quita, dime noche pasado que soy la medicina y como la flor y el luz del sol siento mi hermosada limpio mi cuerpo y escucho mis sueños porque soy la Hello, my beautiful listener. It's me, your host. If you're new to the show, I'm Stephanie. I didn't do the regular intro because, well, when I tuned in and, you know, called in my guides, the 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 guides of the jungle, ayahuasca, they were like, you're going to sing a song. And if you can't believe it, I can't believe it either. And guess what's even more kind of mind-boggling is, I wrote that song <laughs> out in the jungle before I went to the jungle. You know, my whole life, I've never really understood poetry, never wrote a song, never really ever sang for people except for singing to myself. And all of a sudden, I do my dieta and four songs come to me and three of them are in Spanish. And if you know me, you might know that, yeah, I can speak Spanish, but not that well. Not enough to write a song in it. I'm, it's, it's something new. And the way that the plants teach, and I, I'm going to get into all of, all of the good stuff to help you understand what I'm even talking about if you have no context here. But the way the plants of the jungle teach is through song. And lucky me, I got song, songs and words that never stopped day and night. <laughs> it was all day, all night, these beautiful songs that I realized were being repeated over and over and over again because these are lessons that I need to learn. So yeah, I wanted to start this podcast by sharing the, the codes of the jungle with you and the codes of my healing. So for those of you who have no idea what I just sang, it translates, so the song is called Soy la Medicina, and it translates to ayahuasca. She told me the other night that I am the medicine. And like the flower and the light of the sun, I feel my beauty. I clean my body and I listen to my dreams because I am the medicine. I will never forget the love of mother, Thank you, Pachamama. I'm the medicine. I am always the medicine. Thank you to the jungle for the happiness in my heart. Okay, 
here here we go let's dive right in so if you haven't listened to my pre-dieta podcast and you need some context check out the show notes i have information in there for you but to give you a brief overview i signed up and i have completed a 10-day dieta or in the lineage that i did it with the shipibo tribe they also call it a sama so it's not your average diet folks it's a therapeutic and spiritual practice of isolation and working towards integration with plant medicine so for 10 days I lived in a hut, a little tombow, and if you want to look at photos, I'm going to post photos on my Instagram and show you all the the big picture of where I lived for 10 days. So it's a hut that is up on stilts and it's all open air. So it's all screens. There's no walls closing me off from the jungle, just screens to keep the bugs out. It was beautiful and simplistic and it's so it's called a tombow. So when I refer to my quote-unquote hut, I'll be calling it a tombo. So I lived there for 10 days. Someone brought me food twice a day. And we had four ayahuasca ceremonies where we walk through the property. So it took me about 10 minutes to get everywhere. And we walked through the property to get to the maloka, which is the, the center, the hut, where we received our one, our ayahuasca and our ikaros, our singing codes. And then on the days where we didn't do ayahuasca, we walked to the maloka to receive our Amazonian herb. And my herb was called ubos. And I will get into all of it very soon. I want to get, just kind of lay the land for you. And well, I mean, that's really the land. (laughs) It's, that's it. And then, you know, shower was open air. Surprisingly, the the toilet that was closest to where the little community of tombos where I was living was open air, just completely screened. There was no walls. I think only once was I pooping there and then somebody crossed the path and I was just like, I'm pooping. <laughs> Nobody come by. Um, but for the m- most part, we're, we're out in the jungle receiving her medicine the whole time. And, oh. You guys, it was the hardest thing I have ever done. And I'm so glad I did it. Zero regrets. All of it. Even, you know, if you listen to my Pre-Dieta podcast, you heard about how fucking afraid I was all in the lead up up to it. And hindsight has taught me that I wasn't, so much it wasn't like yes it was fear I don't know necessarily if it was my fear of the thing I think it was more fear that was inside of me for so long that knew it was going to be released during this process so where to begin in the timeline (laughs) I want to tell you about how how we even got to this place. So Psychonata Foundation in the show notes is their website. It is in a city or sorry, it is outside of a city called Nauta, which is about an hour and 45 minute drive from Iquitos. 
which is kind of like your main city that you would fly to for the most part to get to any other area in the Amazon in in Peru in that region so we fly so my my girl Sasha she did the dieta with me and I will have her on the show when she feels ready to share because as all inner journeys go hers was completely different from mine we flew from New York to Lima, then Lima to Iquitos, where we had a driver meet us. Driver picked us up, drove us to Nauta, and then they had us go into a tuk-tuk. So a tuk-tuk is a nifty little contraption where the motorcycle, so the driver has a motorcycle that's hooked to kind of like a carriage in the back. And so we threw our luggage in the carriage, we sat inside the tuk-tuk and then we are whisked off to the very edge of the village we crossed a bridge and then they're like all right just walking from here so we had some help with our luggage we carried what we could and it had clearly rained for I don't even know how long but it was dry when we arrived but my goodness the the earth had yet to absorb the rains and so we are trudging through mud and then as we finally kind of we go through a jungle trail beautiful scenery and then we arrive to the psychonauta foundation so its main hub has about like four maybe five buildings they have the kitchen they have their old maloka where they used to have ceremony they just have that as a meeting place now and then also the people who live on the property they have their tambos out there too we arrive around 5 5 30 p.m and the sun sets around 6 so sunset begins really at 5 30 and then at 6 it really goes down by 6 30 7 it's pitch black so we arrive we have our welcome meal which was so fresh and delicious and it was our last meal with I was gonna say flavor but I learned a lot of lessons about flavor out there but it was our last meal with any herbs and spices and salt and fat it was we were done we were done by that point and we all just get to know each other there's a group about maybe 10 of us and we share why we're here what we hope to expect out of this and then we learn the rules the rules of the the foundation is that you don't disturb other people by speaking to them it's all about so the reason why you isolate yourselves and there's no books We put our phones in a safe. There's no music except for the music that we write and create. And we can have a journal. We can have an art book with some, you know, utensils (laughs) for art things. And we can have a musical instrument. And they provided some for us there. I brought my drum. And you, you keep to yourself. And so the reason for the isolation is because we need to keep our bodies pure from outside influences it's just us and the plant and the jungle and 
by stripping back and having no communication, I mean, I've realized that communication with other people, it's my distractor. It's my comfort. It's, and also it's a source of so much joy in my life. And I don't believe that we're meant to go through this life alone, but I do believe that if we really want to know ourselves, if we really want to activate the magic that's within, you have to do it alone. You have to have your moments alone without any distractions. And then they, they earlier before nightfall, they had walked us to our tombos, but then they're like, all right, time to go to your huts. <laughs> I am I am a directionally challenged human. Thank God I had Sasha because we we're going, not only are we going back down a trail that I've only walked through once and I'm really paying attention to not tripping on the roots and not stepping in the mud, um, which step in the mud anyways. My feet were filthy the entire time there. My toenails were just brown <laughs> from the mud and at first I tried to clean but I was just like ah fuck it this is this is how it's gonna be for the next 10 days oh right another rule there is no perfumes no artificial you know products putting on your skin because as you merge with the jungle and you call in the the souls of these plants you you almost want to like mask your humanness or like surrender your humanness to to open yourself up to the smells of the jungle and or open yourself to absorb the smells of the jungle i don't really know but anyways so i'm walking with sasha and we get lost at night on the trail and then finally we figure it out thank god for her thank you sash and then with their little head headlamps, we look each other in the eye and we say goodbye. I love you. I miss you already. And that was the last time I I spoke with her for the rest of the time there. We are allowed in this sama. We are allowed four integration sessions. So whoever with whoever brings our food in the morning or in the afternoon, we can pass them the number to our tombo. And then the leaders of the the retreat center, their, or the facilitators rather, they would come and, you know, we'd have an integration session. But they also said, if you can figure it out alone, then try to stick with that. So when we did communicate with anyone on the property, it was lo- for logistics, like, hey, I need a new towel, or I need fresh seats, or um, I'd like more food, less food, whatever it may be. That night, I sleep in my tombo, and it's so funny, I remember writing in my journal when I got there, uh, the next morning, the silence here is not that silent, because the jungle sings to you all day and all night and that was one of the songs i ended up writing was las canciones de la selva which is the singers of the jungle because it's a beautiful song that if you really i could feel myself shifting my ears to listen to the novelty the birds who would sing a song here and there then fly away and then return or the monkeys or the insects that would wake up and just <laughs> like give you their song. 
then if you tune your ears to what's constantly playing, the crickets are constant day and night. They're constantly playing. And so that morning was, that day was really blissful for me. I woke up feeling amazing in my happy place in the jungle where I've yet to, I had yet to at this point understand why, why did I feel so at home here? But, oh, I felt, I felt the arrival of home. I took a shower out in the open air. I ditched my soap bar. I used clay instead to wash my body. It was such a beautiful experience to take an ice cold shower in this delicious water. The, the water there, it comes from a well that's deep, deep, deep well. So the water was very soft rather than the hard water that we get in the cities. And I felt, oh, it healed my skin so much. I normally have really dry scalp and flaky scalp and had none of that there. I got my breakfast, which was a beautiful bowl of porridge, no salt. And then I gave the girl the who served me breakfast the number to my Tombow because I wanted to have an integration session, well, like a pre-integration session with the the retreat guides. So there were three guides, Blas, who he is the kind of like the retreat leader. And then we have Dominica and then Sebastian. And I go about my day feeling really good and then I'm like anticipating anticipating oh my god I'm gonna drink ayahuasca tonight oh my god the last time I drank ayahuasca I fucking got blasted out of my body and it was beautiful and traumatizing holy fuck holy fuck holy fuck so eventually Blas came to my tombow and I told him one something that I had forgotten to share with them was part of the reason why physically I was there was to help heal my period. I have a really painful period. At the end of 2020, I stopped taking birth control after 11 years of taking hormonal birth control pills. And I just felt the call, it's time to stop. And it, you know, stopping immediately healed my body in so many ways. I I wasn't getting this PMS depression. I wasn't I was having a lot stronger digestive system. It healed my microbiome. It helped me a lot. However, after being on it for 11 years and often skipping my period or, you know, with birth control, it's a placebo period. You bleed, but it's 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 not the same bleeding as you would if you were just on a natural cycle. Those of you who are on your on birth control, you get it. You understand what I'm talking about. So that was in November 2020 that I stopped. And then in June 2021, maybe May 2021, I started to have a regular cycle. So I was off for a while and then I started having it every month, every 20 to 30 days. And the thing was, is it became excruciatingly painful. Feeling like I can't move, I can barely breathe. I'm either going to throw up or pass out. And it became a monthly trauma. And I would feel so afraid. What What's going to happen this month? Where am I going to be when I get my period in this month? Because there's no way I can drive when I'm like that. And there's been so many times where I've been at school just completely, just the life sucked out of me. I'm very, my face really, <laughs> Sasha was 
giggling as when we left the dieta, she was saying how it's so interesting that my face says it all. My face turns into the colors. Every Everything that I'm feeling is always written on my face. So I can only imagine when this period would come, what my face in my body looked like. And I would do the acupuncture. I would do the herbs. I would have all these different diagnoses. And for whatever reason, none of it worked. And it really disheartened me. It really made me question, is this medicine actually helpful? But then I would see it work for other people. (laughs) So then I started thinking, well, what's wrong with me? What is this thing inside of me? And when I would tune in to my body, I would hear little things, little ways to tweak my life, but it felt deeper. It felt tied to this feeling that I've always had in my life that there's something deeply wrong with me. It's it's something I haven't been able to fully put my finger on. It just has felt like there's something wrong. And when I let that fear really drive me, I feel like I'm going to die from some terrible, awful illness. And I go down these thought rabbit holes, thought loops of fear, fear, feeling unsafe in my body, feeling unsafe in the environment around me, feeling out of control. And with the beauty of the 2020 of hindsight, I realized it was more than physical, it was emotional. It was on a nervous system, ancestral level that I was feeling there's something wrong. And and so I would do all the things. I would do the diets, do the, the plant medicines, do the other alternative healing protocols. I never wanted medication. I never felt called to do the Western approach because I felt like it was just a holistic general fucked upness, not like one sickness, illness to point it to. So I just always intuitively knew that one, medicine wasn't going to get rid of it. And two, a Western doctor wouldn't, would just tell me I'm fine. And they have told me that before. You're fine. You're fine. There's nothing wrong. And I would have so many people tell me, Stephanie, you're doing too much. You're, you're obsessing. You're doing too many detoxes. You need to chill out. You need to be easier on yourself. You're so hard on yourself and all these things. And I, I couldn't listen to them because I couldn't believe them because it was here. I would try, but I would be like, but it's still here. This feeling is still fucking here. And I think a lot of us who are on this awakening journey can resonate with what I'm saying, this feeling like there's something wrong with me. And that knowing comes with awareness of your body, awareness of who you really are, and knowing that I deserve better. There's something else out there. There's something inside that isn't meant to be here. I'm reading this, I'm listening to this book right now, Breaking Free of the Money Story, and I love the way he puts it. He talks about the two phases of being human. There's the first phase of forgetting. You, everything in this universe is set up so that we forget who we truly are, and who we truly are is, is God. God runs, or source, whoever, goddess, whoever you want to call it, it runs through our veins. We we are an amalgamation of this 
beautiful, universal, abundant source frequency energy. And my worldview is source, God. Well, I there's nuances there, but for the sake of time, source exists and then it was perfect and it got bored. And so it said, I want to know myself deeper. I want to experience the full capacity of what I am, darkness and light. And so it divided itself into us. And when we return, when we leave this earth, when we return home, we join back to that source frequency. So that first half of human life is the forgetting. And we feel like there's something wrong with us. We are taught to believe in a lot of ways of programming that there is something wrong with us. But when we have that moment of returning, that first angling of remembering or dissatisfied. We are we are not happy with the, what the way things are. And so we want to change. We want to be better. And yes, I've learned a lot about how we don't need to change ourselves, but I think that feeling is absolutely necessary. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, that was my husband coming home. I think that feeling is necessary because it's that feeling that drives us to search, to soul search, to try the thing. And the thing that we're called to try is a part of who we're meant to become. These plant medicines, I absolutely was driven towards them because of this feeling inside of not enoughness and unworthiness. And they have been a part of my learning of my wholeness. But we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. So yes, this second half of the human story is the full remembering and realizing it's all an illusion and it's all a game and having fun with it. And I feel like I've, for the past, since, since January 2021, like my big, big awakening, I have been, I guess it kind of started in, well, I mean, it started in 2019 really got the ball rolling in 2020 and then I got blasted out of my ass in 2021 with this the psychic awakening and the deep connection with source so since then I feel like I've been straddling both sides of the human story that we're just kind of figuring it out more and more peeling back the layers and then trying to actually believe the game and the reason why I'm here. But it takes time. I'm, I know it's going to take a lifetime. I feel like though this dieta really helped me begin my first steps on the path of the second half of the human story. Anyways, so right, Blas. <laughs> Blas comes to my tombo and I, I tell him about you know, issues with my period. I tell him about how there's a family lineage within this, how my mom has struggled with reproductive issues and my abuela, my grandmother on her side, died of uterine cancer. So I remember, and I talk about this in the Pre-Dieta podcast, but I've read before how shamans can heal the energy of the cancer that's been passed down amongst lineages. So I knew there is stagnation going on in my womb space and it's time to let it go. And with that, he told me, I'm so glad you told me this because we didn't really know which plant we wanted to give you. And we this helps us realize that we want to give you 
medicine from a tree called ubos, which is all about reproductive infertility and all of that stuff. I also told him how I am a very sensitive to ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, my first ceremonies were really intense. This, especially the last one, I got just, I left my body in a way that ended up being really beautiful and beneficial. And if you want to hear that story, you could check that out in the show notes. But it left a trauma on my body. It left a massive fear. And ayahuasca was hard on me. It felt like she was a tough bitch with me in my first ceremonies. And so, and, and I, you know, ayahuasca visits me all the time. I'll be laying in bed, getting ready for sleep. And I'll just start to feel the swimmies. I'll start to feel my mind and I'll see visuals and my open eyes and close my eyes. And then they're really strong and intensive because when you do these medicines, you're activating a consciousness that's always been inside of you. It's like their energetic stamp is left within you and they're always there to be accessed. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it. My afternoon ayahuasca in 2022, being visited by ayahuasca and and feeling all those things. Yes, I had a love for her because I understood and I believed in the intelligence and the wisdom and the love, um, but my body was not happy about it. And so I I told him that, and he said he's he's Polish, so he had a the way he said it, he goes okay, the ayahuasca blend we give everyone, it's like chopping at wood. I give you gentle blend. That's like polishing wood. I was like, yes, yes, let's polish the wood. Please, please, please. And he left and I got really, really excited and I was so ready for ceremony. I was like, you did the thing, Steph, you did the thing. But then as we get closer, as nightfall gets closer, I start to feel bad about myself. I start to hear this voice that's saying, you're not going to get enough out of this experience because you're not willing to do enough ayahuasca. You're not willing to drink enough medicine and you're going to miss out and you're being a coward and you're supposed to be a warrior. You call yourself a warrior. You're not a real warrior, you're a coward. And I remember journaling, hearing this voice, just writing the voice out and being like, what do you want from me? What do you want? Because you're afraid when I decide I'm going to do the hard thing and I feel panic through my body. And yet when I decide to listen to my body and to honor it, then you tell me I'm not enough. Like what gives? And so I kind of walked into ceremony feeling that mixture of emotions. So I arrived to the Maloka and the way that ceremony set up is we arrive at dusk and we wait till nightfall. So we kind of, they give us, they label the mats. And I, if you want to look at the photo of the Maloka or a video, check out my Instagram. And we, we lay on the mats and we prepare ourselves for ceremony. You can stretch, meditate. That first one, it's, it's funny, in the group, there's actually three of us who had done ayahuasca before. And two of us, we were very visually visibly 
nervous. I remember he was sitting outside with his hand, like sitting in a chair with his hands on his thighs, just like shaking his head, taking deep breaths. And I'm just, I can't keep still. I'm pacing around the Maloka on the outside of it. I'm getting water and washing my hands and doing all these things. And as nightfall comes, we go back inside. They serve us hape, which was really great. The hape is ceremonial tobacco snuff, if you're not familiar, and it really helps you get into your body. So they served us that, and then they had candles lit and a fire, which we eventually put out because in the Shipibo tradition, ayahuasca ceremonies are done in complete darkness. By the way, no electricity at all in this whole entire 10 days. The first time in my life where I've had no electricity for that amount of time. And then the shamans arrive. We are passed around a talking stick where we can share our intention for the evening. And my intention was to honor my body and to learn how to feel unconditional love and acceptance for myself. I chose this because on the way to Nauta from Iquitos, we're driving through the car and you, you see the, the city fade away and the jungle start to take over. And I could feel the love of Pachamama, of Mother Earth. And all of a sudden, I had this little pang inside of me. And I realized that I have, I have felt that the love from my father has felt very conditional. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the truth, it's just what little stuff and present stuff has felt my whole life that his love is conditional. And then I've felt that while well, my mom definitely unconditional love, she will show up with love again and again, no matter how many times we have conflict or there's hurt or whatever, she will always, always return to love. But I have felt, again, it's a feeling, it's not necessarily the truth. But I very much felt that her acceptance of me is conditional. I feel like my entire life I've been chasing for that feeling of receiving acceptance and receiving love. And oh, when I realized that, I just started crying. I realized that I have never really known what it feels like to love and accept myself without condition. So what I'm going to do from this point is I'm going to read from my diary the ceremony to you. So I wrote this at sunrise on Friday, June 9th. Last night's ceremony was hard in a different way than the last two. I don't feel that post-ceremony bliss either. I feel solemn and a little achy, achy in my lower back, my legs, my heart, and my solar plexus. A little bit lighter, though. The medicine was subtle yet strong. I had gentle visions, and I felt her moving through my body. It took a little time to feel the full effect, and she told me she grows slow and blooms and loves big. During the initial Icaros, and for those who aren't familiar, an Icaros is, it's like the healing codes of the shaman. The shaman will drink some medicine with us, and through their training and through their connection with ayahuasca and their connection with our energetic fields, they sing songs. And you could see, say that 
ayahuasca is a snake and Icaros is the snake charm. So it really activates the ayahuasca within you. So during the initial Icaros, I was feeling a lot of tightness in my lower back. I felt my heart beating strong and fast as well. I felt guilty and ashamed. Here were all these people purging. And here was I, getting exactly what I wanted, having a gentle experience. Only I didn't feel good about it or deserving of it either. It was a battle. I heard that voice telling me I'd never get better because I wasn't willing to blast off with the medicine. I felt so deep with my body's guilt and shame and these thoughts that I felt myself starting to loop. And when I mean loop, what happens when you do psychedelics of any kind, really, when you have a thought that's really strong and you resist it or you fight it, you go through a loop. It just continues on and on and on. And it's almost like going through trail thinking you're going straight ahead towards somewhere but you are continuously finding yourself right back at the beginning you're going along around the bend and finding yourself right back where you started i heard abuela ayahuasca ask me if i thought she was good enough i told her of course she's perfect in her wisdom and who was i to deem an ancient being to be not good enough in reply she told me that i need to believe this experience was enough I thought about how I so often do this in my given moments. How could I feel better or make it better or feel more, etc.? The word that came to mind was extraction. There's this side to my mind which wants to extract as much as I can from so many moments, medicines, and opportunities. And of course, I'm left feeling dissatisfied and a little bit empty. I don't feel good enough. And of course, this happens when you're chasing the dragon. And by that, I mean, you're chasing to feel better from something or to feel worthy from something outside of yourself. As I felt the medicine grow a little stronger, I was thinking about all my relationships, sending love to those who judge me, my family, my friends, and Mana, my husband. My mind was really loud. Do less. Ayahuasca whispered to me. I tried to empty my mind and allow the medicine to show me where to go from there. I felt that familiar pit in my stomach grow stronger and rise to the surface. I was presented with three tents. The first was my relationship with my dad. The second was school. And the third was an unknown. I chose the one with my dad. I felt my anger and bitterness towards him. I also felt the root, which was a little girl who just wanted to feel loved by him. A couple of memories came through and I'm going to keep those to myself because they're very personal. So in that tent, thinking about my father, I started to loop again. Eventually, I caught myself and I conjured the image of the other tents. I chose the third one, the mystery. Inside, Aya told me I had a bug in my gut and that's what I've been feeling. Whether it's an energetic or actual, I'm not really sure, but I remember thinking, I knew it. I'm leaning in towards it being more energetic. I sat with this, feeling my inner resistance grow in my belly. I laid down and tapped my belly and felt it move up from my lower half to my upper solar plexus, just below my sternum. I wanted it out and I asked for help. I felt the frog guide come in and promise to help. I let him jump into my belly and become a tadpole. 
At this point, Maestra Matilda, so there's two shamans here. They're a couple, Francisco, which is the name of my grandfather, which felt really powerful for me, and then Maestra Matilde. Um, so at this point, I felt them begin their individual Icaro. So what they would do is they would, Matilde would go left and Francisco would go right, and they would sing at the same time, but they would give individual Icaros to their side of the room and then they would cross over and then they would finish giving the Icaros to the rest of the room that they hadn't gone to. So I had this frog guide that's in my belly and then I felt it eating away at quote-unquote bacteria and I saw it start to transform and this feeling was like little thing like you know when you're digesting something and then you or oh how about when you wake up in the morning after eating a lot of like fatty foods and you have some apple cider vinegar and you feel it kind of shifting things in your your intestines that's kind of what it felt like as matilde got closer the frog grew legs i sat at the end of my bed ready to receive when matilde started to sing for me i felt the frog mature i felt this thing moving in me and that critical doubtful voice told me i didn't have enough medicine within me to receive the full effect I didn't want it to end. I wanted to get all that I could out of her song. There's that extraction mindset again. I caught it and heard once again, do less. So I just listened and felt. Right after she finished, Maestro Francisco sat in front of me. So usually what would happen, depending on where you were sitting, they would sing to you and then you'd have like, they would go through the rest. So it'd be like another... 15 20 minutes till they got to your you again but i was in this position right at the end of the maloka so that once she finished francisco came right in and his song felt really strong to me that night as he began i started to shake and cry without tears there was that battle again that voice saying i hadn't taken enough to let go side note when blas had offered to the group second cup i had asked my body and ayahuasca if i needed more and they told me i had the perfect dose by the way this dose was the gentle blend and he poured me a full cup and i had a third of that cup i did not finish it so that's partly why because he's seen all these people drink a full cup of the strong blend drink another full cup of the second blend i was i was being really hard on myself thinking damn look at these people going all in hindsight was that when we all shared our ayahuasca experiences at the end of the retreat they said they took the second or third cut because they weren't really feeling much so this my friend is my lesson to share with you it doesn't matter how much you drink what matters is is how open you are to the medicine you can feel yourself open up on a half cup a quarter cup a full cup, two cups, or even no cups, which you'll hear about in my fourth ceremony. But it's there's no amount of ayahuasca that makes you better than anyone else or more of a badass. It's that concept, that idea is completely arbitrary. As Mana says, his favorite term that I use is, um, you don't have to be blasted out of your ass for it to be a powerful experience. 
Anyways, so I was told it was the perfect dose. And when I heard that, I felt Stephanie, like my true loving self, trust and accept this. I had a realization that this amount was perfect for me because I was extremely conscious of my human and there was no avoiding that. So there was no leaving my body from a psychedelic experience. It was pure human emotion and sensations. So back to Maestro's Icaros. I felt the tension course through my body, especially in my face, as I tried to bring up tears. I groaned and I sat up straight and I knocked my head back and just dropped my jaw. I felt energy starting to move up and out of my mouth. I yawned and I eventually felt my stomach heave. I ended up throwing up about three times. Finally, I felt the tears come. And as he finished, I hissed like a snake and I felt my upper body and hands wiggle. He blew at me and then he left. I continued to cry and during the Icaros, something in me snapped. I was so tired of feeling this way. I whispered, enough. I let go. I thought, I don't care who I become if I let go. And I think that thought was a turning point for me. I thought about not caring if I became a bad friend or a bad student, bad healer, bad daughter, sister, wife. I just wanted it out of me. I just wanted this this perfectionism, this, this critic out. I started to feel my dad come in again. And Ayahuasca asked me if I wanted to see my shadow from his perspective. Hindsight, I, I think it was more, did I want to see myself in the way I believed he saw me? I said yes, and it was really painful. I was so sad and I cried. I saw my shadow from my sister's perspective and from others in my school days. I felt their judgment I had internalized. I felt old friends who I had had conflicts and with and the, the friendship ended from that conflict. I especially one friend, she had so much pain that she directed at me and I felt a lot of compassion because I knew it was, it was all her own. It wasn't mine. I got up to go to the bathroom and I still felt pretty weepy. Where was this blissful, loving medicine that made my best friend Casey's cheeks hurt from smiling? Why did I have to feel this way? I felt an old familiar thought from childhood, which was wishing I could be anyone else but me. When I got back to my bed, I smoked a mapacho and I let my mind race as I sat with the feeling of being judged and judging myself. So I thought about how much judgment that I've internalized over my life, and this version of me felt about eight or nine years old. I named this voice, this critic, Arlo, which means alone. I named her Arlo because when I'm alone, I hear her most. And what I believed was that she's afraid to be alone but I realized she doesn't really mind being alone. It's more that when I'm alone at a, in a time when I don't want to be alone, when I really, really need somebody there for me, but there's nobody there and, you know, I feel rejected or whatever. And so I realized that she uses judgment and guilt and shame to push and correct me because she's so afraid of being proven that, it's like she, we believe I'm unworthy and she's so afraid of that proof. I'm so afraid of that proof that I truly am unworthy. 
So Arlo is the one who's wanted me to drink more. She's the one who wants me to push harder, to not make stupid mistakes. And she's mortified if I do. And to be the most perfect person for everyone else. She lacks humility, trust, acceptance, and a sense of safety. Yes, she's pushed me to seek achievement and success, but it's from a place of feeling unworthy and seeking approval. And it's a great way to fall flat when accomplishments or great, beautiful connections are made. After a while of judging her for judging me, I felt the call to accept her. She hated her new name and she resisted working with me. I called upon the fire element to alchemize his guilt and shame, and I asked to replace the judgment with self-acceptance, which is exactly what I asked for. With ayahuasca, with really inner journeys, I like to be specific with my intentions because I always get exactly what I've asked for. So I told Arlo I love her, and she felt surprised. Really? You love me? But I thought you didn't like me. I told her I was sorry and I asked for forgiveness. I thought about the light of Arlo, how she's proud of me for my courage. And even though she's fearful, she's proud of how I work with fear. I asked again to work together. With apprehension, she said yes, she'd give it a shot. I saw all the ways in which she shows up in my life. It was a lot. She's very busy. I just want to say in this moment to my protector, we all have protectors, to my protector Arlo, thank you for protecting me as long as you did. I honor you and I want to teach you and I want to help us rewrite our story together. All in all, this ceremony really launched me into the act of building my foundation of self-respect and grace for furthering my discipline and devotion. Arlo loves discipline, but I've learned that grace and respect are necessary to have a strong practice of discipline and devotion to myself. So by giving her grace and respect, Arlo will learn how to give it right back to me. Hmm. And I also wrote this at the end. I also want to write to remind us both that ceremony isn't necessarily where the healing takes place. Rather, it's where the layers are peeled back and the learning begins and deepens. I am capable of healing the side of me without medicine. However, Aya is also always here to help. My entire life is a ceremony. It doesn't end in the maloka. So the next day, I didn't really feel that good. I had to sit a lot with Arlo and just learn from her and listen to her. And then that evening or not evening like late afternoon i received my first dose of ubos so as i drank ubos it's funny at first i was drinking it and i was like this feels like masculine energy and then i go back to my tombo and i go about the rest of my day and my evening and i you know i'm meditating calling in the spirit of ubos and i'm realizing no it's a it's a feminine it's a feminine energy and then i decided after a couple of days She's a tough bitch. <laughs> that's why that's why she felt masculine and feminine, mostly this base of feminine, but with this warrior energy. And my friend Bella, who was in our group, when we were out of our retreat and back in Iquitos, living life, she found a book on 
Amazonian plants, master plants, and Ubos was in there, and she was there was a drawing of her depicted as an Amazonian warrior woman. I never, I never once felt physically tired. I never once felt hungry, and it kind of fucked with me because here I was barely eating, and what I did eat was these vegan saltless meals. Although we had eggs, I'll tell you. I never liked boiled eggs and probably now that I'm home, I still don't like boiled eggs. But when I was out there, I was so grateful for every boiled egg. You could taste the salt in them, the natural salt flavor. It was, oh, it was so good. But don't, don't you dare put a boiled egg on my plate now. <laughs> but yeah, so here I was doing these ayahuasca ceremonies, which are really draining. And, you know, in this, retreat that we're doing so much work and I never once felt tired or hungry I just ate because I felt like I had to and I battled insomnia so during the whole entire time here every night you're I'm up and apparently that's that's normal I eventually had to have an integration session actually let me I'm, I think I'm getting ahead of myself let me stop with it here Let's fast forward to the second ceremony. So during those next two days, I was really moving things up and out, whether if, if whether it's from a kundalini practice, a chanting practice, sitting with myself, journaling, you name it, art, you name it. I remember I drew this image because that second ceremony, what it really did is it brought this anxiety that I constantly have felt in my solar plexus up to the surface it's always been like this uneasiness like everything I do in my normal life is just done with this fog of unease and so I felt that really come to the surface so while other people felt physically ill during their time there I just felt panic rise from the depths of my nervous system so everything I felt like everything I'd ever squashed down was coming up and out and I remember looking out and being like what the fuck you are in your happy place you are somewhere with no AC because I don't like AC you are you know there's no EMF there's no energies of other people disturbing you you're right where you want to be why can't you just enjoy it and I so it was this combination of panic not be able to enjoy it through that. And then also this combination of feeling unworthy. This unworthiness really rose to the surface. All right, let's go with ceremony two. My intention for a second ceremony was to allow myself to feel good and worthy and to ask Aya to teach me to release my body and to teach me about love. So I had my first cup this night definitely felt different from the first once I settled on my bed before we began it felt so easy to quiet my mind when I felt ayahuasca come on she was gentle and ready to teach me about love and by the way the cup that I had drank was of a new medicine so it wasn't the gentle blend it was a medicine that they had that was a blend that was new to the retreat center and I remember Blas being like, it's quite strong. So I drank about a half cup. So as I'm coming up 
I thought a bit about my life and this resistance in my body, in my solar plexus. You get what you expect, Ayahuasca told me in reply. She taught me that yes, life can bring surprises, gifts, and unexpected struggles, and even though they seemingly come out of nowhere, they come from a sickness within, which expects it. Consciously, we also get what we expect. Simple, or maybe it's complicated. I don't know if I explained it well, but it felt simple to me. But it also felt so easy to fully comprehend the depth, the wisdom of such a simple phrase. You get what you expect. I asked Ayahuasca to teach me about love. I thought about this passage from the alchemist that when the boy teaches the sun and the wind about love by talking about nature, Ayahuasca showed me love through the flower, giving her elixir to the bee, the bee creating honey for the hive, while also spreading the flower's seed far and wide, and then the bear, risking its body, climbing up the highest peak just to get to the honeycomb. It all exists in love, she said. I felt into this. I still didn't really get it. With time, I started to realize that love is allowing nature to be. To explain deeper, love is a state of being, not doing. It feels so good to flow with love because we are wired for it. Love is allowing all that is to be. I wondered what the antithesis of love was. Fear? I thought about how fear has me step out of being and into resistance. But ayahuasca taught me that fear, if we allow it, helps us return to our body. And that is an act of love. Resistance. Resistance is the opposite of love. Resistance blocks allowing. It launches us into do and out of be. And so my mantra for the rest of this ceremony was be in love. I started to think about the second cup of ayahuasca. When I was served hape before ceremony, I heard the message that I would receive the same amount as the night before and... I would also take a second cup. I was kind of confused and I was like, why, why not just, why not just do a one big cup? And the response I got was because I said so. <laughs> and here we go. Um, you know, hindsight's like my favorite word these days. Hindsight helped me understand why, because the way that I wanted to come up was gentle. I didn't want to be blasted out of my body, blasted in the ass. I needed to remain in my body and to give permission to leave. And so that was the wisdom of the second cup. So as I'm allowing my body to move with the Icaros, I felt the seed of anticipation grow. I wondered if I was creating resistance. Aya taught me that anticipation creates innovation. Allow the innovation and you will remain in love. If resistance ever becomes too much, then you find presence. I began to prepare my body. It was time. When Blas offered the second cup, I immediately got up to receive. I was already feeling the medicine grow strong within me and I struggled to keep my eyes open. I drank another half cup and I returned to my bed. The Icaros returned. Eventually, she grew stronger. It was hard to breathe, similar to Bufo. I took deep breaths and rolled my body. 
I heard a bird outside, which sounded like a chuckle. By the way, it wasn't a bird. It's a monkey, actually. Um, And I wanted to learn from this chuckling creature. I thought about, again, the pain of feeling misunderstood. And I told myself, they don't have to understand me. They just have to understand themselves. I uh, turned it around and told me, you don't have to understand them. You just need to understand yourself. I thought this was so funny. There, there, there she is again, just shining the light on self-acceptance and radical responsibility. I giggled and chuckled and I felt like I sounded like that monkey. I felt my solar plexus and its deep rooted resistance activate inside me. I silently chuckled and shook my body. Kind of like those silent sobs from the first ceremony. And I brought Arlo and my block from self-love to the surface of my mind. All of a sudden, I saw three faces in front of me. They looked like alien praying mantis. For a split second, I was like, oh, oh my God. And then I was like, oh yeah, I, I, I drank ayahuasca and I'm in a state of love. So... I returned to allowing and then I was told I was one of them. Any fear and resistance immediately subsided. They were pale green and they had blue and purple fluorescent spots all over them. They glowed and they were so beautiful. They asked me permission to enter my body and to work on my block. I was ready. I felt a few small ones enter and it felt slightly uncomfortable and strange. I breathed deeply and I moved and wiggled my body and they told me that things were pretty tied up and I saw the image of this fascia tissue web that I had drawn earlier because earlier I I drew what this block felt like in my body and all of a sudden that image came back to my mind. I asked them to at least eat away at the webbing and I could do the rest. Uh, By the way, I just want to say that I hate bugs or no, no. I used to hate bugs. Insects are like the death of me. Fucking cockroaches, fuck them. So it was so funny to me that these beans, these praying mantis beans, were um, me. I was one of them. And they told me, like, like I'm, I am one of them because I am a daughter of the jungle. And that's one of the other songs that I wrote, La Hija de la Selva. I am the daughter of the jungle. So they they ate away at my abdomen and I realized its roots had grown into my hips, my coccyx, and my reproductive organs. They asked for permission to move deeper down. I said yes and I felt so grateful that I've taught myself to honor my body and to practice asking for permission. Because my first ayahuasca ceremonies, I felt like there was no permission asked. It was more like, let's go, let's go. And by having this practice of this radical put my body first what does my body want first my body wants permission she wants to give permission it's like ayahuasca showed me this magnified this mirror of honoring myself in this ceremony eventually maestro francisco sat in front of me and i shifted toward the end of the bed and as he sang i danced and did deep breaths Whenever it felt like too much, my movement and breath always saved me. It created space for allowing, for love. I started channeling with my light language and it sounded a little bit like the insects. It was the language of the jungle. 
I smiled thinking of my mantis guides. I thought it was funny. I decided I hated insects for so long because I was one of them. More love, less resistance. By the way, that night I did meet the ayahuasca who makes your cheeks hurt from smiling so big. It was, I was so happy and I understood finally what my friend Casey meant by this loving, blissful ayahuasca. After some time, I felt maestra getting close. Anticipation had me shift towards the end of my bed to receive. She felt stronger than maestro did in this ceremony. I heaved and I burped, but there was no vomit. I told Aya I was ready to purge my block and she said, not yet, soon. When she finished, when Maestra Matilda finished, I eventually laid down in a fetal position. The Icaros went on and my body wiggled. I felt like I was wrapped up in a little cocoon. And they told me it's true. And they, you know, the spirits of the jungle, they told me it's true. I was in a cocoon. I once again felt the strength of my block and asked to make it leave. I quickly learned that this block wasn't meant to leave yet. It needed to be transmuted, and it was an inside job. Later, I learned that it would never leave me. It would never leave me. It was more that it needed to be alchemized and transmuted from within. It was the scar tissue that the mantis had, you know, loosened up that I really needed to purge. I wiggled my sacrum for some time, and I felt the transition. I wondered how I'd emerge. Would I look like a butterfly? A voice said, well, if you want to see, you have to assume position. Something inside me resisted for a moment because I was just like, oh God, what's going to come out of this? And then I chose to be in love. I think I, I knew that this, this was where things get really intense for me. I laid down flat facing up. I rocked my legs back and forth and wondered what a caterpillar would do. In response, my muscles started to pulse. I shook my hips, which were surprisingly very, it was easy to shake my hips and out of a life feeling kind of, kind of like locked in my hips. It, yeah, it was surprising. They vibrated then. It was like I went from wiggling to vibrating and I felt that vibration move all the way up my spine like a and my shoulders started making this flapping sound and I knew that this was my kundalini activating. If you have listened to my pre-dieta podcast, then you know that I was visited by Kali through a, a client, in my friend Vanita, while doing a golden needle. And she told me that my Shakti would activate in a new mind-blowing way or something like that. And this moment felt like that completion. I moved through moments of swaying and gently vibrating after a few final attempts to feel a complete vibration because it kind of felt like it was a little bit disjointed, especially in my like thoracic area. I started to feel very sick, very, very, very sick. I sat up and I felt the ayahuasca just reactivate to a new level. I felt heaving in my stomach. Earlier, I had told me I would know when I was ready to release the block, and it was time. I felt a slight struggle in moving this block up, and I remembered something I had written earlier that day. Open your heart and release it through your throat. 
So I yawned and I shook and then I dropped my head back and I made this big oval shape with my mouth and my head just vibrated side to side. It was so powerful. And I grabbed my bucket and immediately puked and I puked and I puked. And Maestra was going ham on the Icaros. And every time I thought it was over, I felt another wave of sickness. It reminded me of the combo sickness, which also reminded me it wouldn't last forever. So I decided to move through my sickness with love. My thoughts started to get annoyed. How were we so late in ceremony? By the way, no concept of time here. I don't think we were even that late into the ceremony. But I was thinking... How was it so late in ceremony and I'm so fucking sick? And then I'd puke. And then I would think, when, well, after I puked, I feel better. And then I would think, when will she let up on these fucking Icaros? Puke. This is the longest night of my life. I'm so tired. Puke. After a while, I kind of realized, oh, it's my resisting thoughts that I'm purging. It's, there's something really interesting with myself, at least with ayahuasca's, as I'm purging, you know, you go through love and then you feel sick and then you purge and you feel all these, this resistance, all this darkness, annoyance. And you realize that this is the darkness that's coming up to the surface and being let go. My human at this point was exhausted and I had to dig deep for strength, activating warrior mode. I waved between feeling and flow with my purge and feeling like a total victim. And then I felt the higher beings come in. They told me it was good that I was tired. And if I allowed myself to rest, they would take care of it. <sighs> there was, at this moment, my human was like feeling, oh, thank God. But also, wait, no, we're going to go back to not being so human anymore because I barely felt human in this entire ceremony and she was just ready to be done. And I think to remembering the past release from my second ceremony of ayahuasca ever, it just, it, that scar was there. So they kept on saying, it's not, it's not a leaving, it's a letting go. It's allowing your human to sleep, to rest, and just letting go. So I flowed through moments of letting go and feeling them take over and then feeling my mind return. Feeling good, feeling in shit, being in love, resisting. And then after one big, big purge, I heard a voice say, that's it for tonight. And I didn't believe it. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? By having to dig into warrior mode, I think my body was like, who are we fighting? My nervous system was activated. It was like, all right, who are we going to beat up? And I was like, I mean, it's over. They told me it's over. But the Icaros still kept going. So what I did is I went outside and I sat in a rocking chair and I started, I had my blanket and I just kind of like rocked in my rocking chair, smoking a mapacho, doing some hape. And then I hear a little meow, meow. And I'm like, what? And then I turn on my headlamp and there's a kitten. So there's, there's cats and dogs all over the site of the psychonauta. 
And so this little kitten, she came up to me. And so I had her come up in my lap and I was petting her and she was looking at me with so much adoration. And I went between looking at her and then looking at the stars and being like, wow, the stars. And then being like, oh shit, I'm still tripping. (laughs) And she she was kept on trying to get closer to me. So I took all my little pouch of my herbs, you know, my mapacho or my other stuff, took it off my lap and then I let her get really, really close and she got into my, like really up and personal with my womb space and then she started purring and I could feel her purrs just vibrating through my whole body and I knew a healing was taking place and it felt so amazing. At that point, I returned to my bed inside the maloka, and I felt like this distension in my bladder. I got up and peed. I didn't really have to pee much, and I got back, and I still felt this distension, and I was like, damn, do I have a UTI? And so at this point, so what ayahuasca does is she turns off the, and we talked about this in the podcast before this one with Jojo. It's like, hyperfrontality uh, it, it turns off the prefrontal cortex that hyper conscious aware part of your mind and it activates your intuition the deeper layers of your mind where your true third eye lives and so you can ask these questions and you'll have all of these truths delivered to you you could say it's from the medicine you could say it's from yourself it doesn't matter you are one and the same And so I'm sitting there like, Mamaya, do I have a UTI? And I get a yes. And I'm like, shit. Okay, let's be practical here for a moment. What do I need to do? Do I need to get antibiotics? What, what, what's the next step? And I hear her go, no, 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 this isn't, this isn't the UTI that you know. This is an untangling of tethered information. And I thought that was so clever and I knew that I was having a healing on in my womb. And with this realization, I all of a sudden I felt Arlo rushing in and she went from being this tough little girl who didn't want me to touch her to all of a sudden becoming a little kitten. It was as if she was saying, oh my God, that was so intense. I know that you were advocating for me. I know that you had the courage. I know you were trying to protect me. <laughs> the protected became the protector. And she became this little kitten and it really solidified our working relationship together. So all in all, I learned so many lessons from that night. I learned how to allow myself to be, how to be in love. I learned resistance is the opposite of love, that apprehension creates innovation and that my body was going through a UTI process, ancestral healing. All right, well, that's it for that ceremony. Um, the next day felt great. Then I felt like absolute shit. I felt like, like I mentioned earlier, my body was like, who we fighting? And I was telling my body, no one there we're resting. And I couldn't get the message. And so that next day, while I felt really good, I was also really tired and my body really wouldn't let me sleep so I filled in all the moments with movement going on walks at this point I had a kitten not a kitten but a a younger cat who I named Stinky 
uh, she would come and visit me. I named her Stinky because when she got really sleepy, she would fart. <laughs> She's precious. It really wasn't until nightfall did the panic really start to catch up with me. And that night, I was up for hours. And I learned that roosters, they don't necessarily cock-a-doodle-doo at the dawn. They'll do it at midnight, at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. So I'm like trying to get past the insomnia and the feeling of panic and listening, listening for the dawn. Like, when's it going to come? And the rooster was playing games with my mind. Oh, my God. At one point, I had a cockroach in my bed. So that fucking freaked me out. I think at that point, it was my first moment of thinking, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. And of course, hearing that and going, no, 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 because one, if I feel this way, I got a long ways ahead of me. And two, I knew that wasn't the truth. I knew there was a side of me that did really want to be here. So I really just spent my night doing more kundalini, more breath work. I brought a diary from 2021 that I read through, which (laughs) happened to flip open to the page where I did, I I went to Asheville in 2021 alone for three days. And for one of those three days, I fearscaped. I wrote down nine fears of mine and I dug deep into all of them. And so that next morning I requested a, an integration session to talk to Blas about how I, yeah, I, I have barely been able to sleep in my whole time here. And what he said to me was really helpful. He said, that's how the ayahuasca and chakuna work in the body is it gives you strength and it activates at night. And then of course, ubos, which what would happen is I'd go about my day and then I'd start to slowly feel myself come down. And then late afternoon, I'd drink some ubos and then full activation all over again. And he said, you know, ubos is a strong plant. I th- In my research, I've learned that it's not really common for people to start with a tree for their first dieta. Usually they work their way up to a tree and they start with flowers or vines and or roots. So we decided that we would do a lower dose of ubos, which in the end I kind of decided I I made term. I made peace with my insomnia a couple days later and told him that's okay. I can do one last sleepless night. Also, so that next day I felt really desperate for some human contact. So, and this was before Blaz came to my tombo. I I went to Sasha's hut and I had a little bottle of jengu shui, which means, which is like bone healing ointment, uh, Chinese herbs. And uh, she I knew she had a fracture in her body that, that from a long time ago. And so I went over to give it to her. And the moment we made eye contact, I know the look on my face was, what did we get ourselves into? And the look she gave me back was, I know. And that just, it it opened the floodgates. So I went back to my tombow and I laid on the floor in a fetal position and I cried and I cried and I cried. I got up to my hammock and I cried more and more and more. And I asked my body, what do you want? What do you, what, what can I do for you? And I heard the responses, I want freedom, which made me cry more because that's all I want is freedom. And I felt so trapped in my body. After crying, I finally fell asleep and I felt myself come down. And then later in that afternoon, 
Sasha went to my tombow to visit me and she gave me an oracle deck that she had brought with a little note in it saying that it had helped her. She had a feeling that it was what I needed. So I'm thinking about that night coming up of ayahuasca. This was the night of the third ceremony and I knew that I had started something in the first and second ceremonies that needed to be completed. I I thought about being in the cocoon and I realized I didn't even have time to stretch my wings. Like I didn't become a, a butterfly. I just threw up and got pushed to a point where I had to activate my warrior mode. So I really didn't know what I wanted from this ceremony. I just wanted to complete what was started. With that in mind, I put the oracle deck in front of me I connected with it and I pulled a card and the first card I pulled was the butterfly immediately had me bust out laughing and then the next card I pulled was beauty and there was something in that beauty card that said you are truly and utterly gorgeous and lovable and that last sentence made me want to cry because I wanted to believe it so much that I'm beautiful and lovable and worthy of beauty and love, but I didn't. That had me go into my intention for my third ceremony. My intention was to release the belief that I'm not beautiful and I'm not deserving of beautiful things and experiences and to ask Abuela Ayahuasca to teach me how to heal my nervous system with gentleness and patience. I received all I asked for and more. So this night I took a full cup of the gentle blend and I, something I forgot to mention the second ceremony is when I felt the ayahuasca come on, it was like this little wrinkly old woman sat in front of me and she was so funny looking, missing teeth, not a lot of hair and like this big cloaky gown and I knew that she was ayahuasca. So in this third ceremony, she visited me again and I remember looking at her and being like, you're so funny looking. And she goes, yeah, you know, some people would actually call me ugly, but I believe I'm beautiful. And, you know, I agreed with her because I was like, you're ayahuasca. You represent ayahuasca. Of course you're beautiful. And she asked me why. Why did I think that she was beautiful And so my mind just started racing about, you know, attractive people that I've seen in my life and trying to compare and not really be able to find an answer. So once again, I heard the whisper, do less, do less. And she was just so gentle and loving with me the whole time. Honestly, all three ceremonies, the spirit of ayahuasca was completely different. It was like, my suffering happened in my tombow and the in-between days. And when I would come to ceremony, I would receive so much love and support from ayahuasca, which is just completely different from anything I had ever expected and had experienced in the past with ayahuasca. As I'm feeling the vision start, the medicine activate, I'm drifting in and out of sleep. And it's like the egodos woke me up. And then I received my first lesson on healing my nervous system, which was allowing my emotions to arrive and breathing and moving through them rather than telling my emotions, no, not now, and pushing them down. After some time, I finally received my lesson on beauty. Mama asked me what beauty represented. 
And I told her that something that's truly beautiful to me inspires a feeling of love and or is, you know, it's a loving experience. There, you know, beauty to me was fully associated with love. And then she's like, what did I teach you about love? And I repeated my lesson that love was allowing. Love was allowing life and love is flowing without resistance. And then I just was met with silence. So it gave me an opportunity to connect the dots. And then I was like, oh, hold on. So if love is allowing and beauty embodies and inspires love, then being beautiful means allowing oneself to be without resistance. And it felt like I hit the nail on the bullseye and it just, I had to repeat that again and again in my head. Beauty is a state of being without resistance. Beauty is allowing yourself to be. And I realized why I had never felt beautiful in my life because I had, I had it all wrong. I thought that, and I, and I learned about the importance of language. I had thought that being beautiful was looking desirable or attractive or, you know, having that symmetrical, perfect look. And ayahuasca taught me, no, those, those people, they aren't necessarily beautiful. Beauty is a feeling. It's not a look. Those words using beautiful to describe an attractive person is it's misguided and beauty is allowing. And I felt all the times in my life where I felt beautiful and it all just lined up perfectly. It's not like I had never felt beautiful before. I just didn't have the definition or the wisdom. I didn't understand. And I thought about how so many of us have it so wrong. We're looking in the mirror, searching for a beauty rather than feeling into it. And I know I sound like a broken record, but allowing ourselves to be. So as I'm having this lesson, I'm dancing on my mat. The whole, every ayahuasca experience I had was just a lot of movement, a lot of dancing for me. And I am reaching my arms out wide and kind of like waving my arms like wings. And I'm thinking about Icaros, how so many singers in the world could say, my singing inspires people to to cry. Or my song, my singing voice, it inspires people to move their bodies. And yeah, Icaros do that too. But I feel like a shaman, what they could say was, my singing gets people to throw up and feel proud of it because that's the whole point. So I'm really intently listening listening and focusing on the Icaros and thinking about how beautiful they are. And I hear ayahuasca say, why? Why is an Icaros beautiful? And I said, well, because if you resist an Icaros, you resist what it activates in your body, the purge, things get ugly. But if you accept it and focus and allow it then you are inspired to allow yourself to be as you are you purge and you release your darkness and you return to love you you feel lighter and wonderful as i'm realizing this my arms are shaking and flapping and then i hear them say oh 
your wing stuff. Your wings are so beautiful. And then the the guy next to me starts throwing up violently. And I hear them say, see, see, see what your wings can do. They inspire allowing. And then they just taught me about my own ikaros, how like my smile, my smile is an ikaros in itself because if I am received by others with my smile, then it, it helps others feel safe and loved and inspires them to feel like they're allowed to be just as they are. However, if people resist my smile, my ikaros, then they all of a sudden decide, I don't like her. I don't want nothing to do with her. And towards the end of the semester, there was some, it's so funny. I, I had it come to realize that I had some people who really don't like me or they don't like what I do or what I stand for. I don't totally get it because I've never talked to them. That's the funny thing too, is the people who don't, who, who have these hard feelings towards me, they, I don't know them. And I would get, I remember this one girl just death staring me in the clinic and they were showing me how, you know, just by continuing throughout my day, doing my work, flowing in the way that I flow, going at my own pace, that in itself is an ikaros as well. And it's going to inspire love, but also it's going to inspire darkness to come out. And if people aren't aware of what darkness really means, that having a harsh feeling towards someone has nothing to do with them and everything to do with yourself, then, you know, if they can understand that, then it will drive them closer to finding a place of love and unconditional acceptance. Another message that came through a lot that night was, I am the medicine. I am the medicine. Anytime I asked any questions or thought about things, it was like it, it felt irrelevant, but it became relevant. The answer I always got was, you are the medicine, Stephanie. So the night finishes up and I'm not really feeling that much of, you know, like the ayahuasca-iness. Of course, you know, you're still on it, but I wasn't out of my body in any way. I was very much in my body and feeling human. And then I'm laying there and I feel all these little bubbles in my womb space. Oh, which reminds me to tell you, in the very beginning of the night before I grew my wings, I heard Ayahuasca say, you're going to receive your gift tonight, but at first you need to grow your wings. And the gift has always been something that before I tuned in to my experience in my dieta or I pulled a card before arriving to Peru, there was always this mention of a gift. And I was nervous about the gift. It was just an unknown and so that night she mentions the gift and and then it kind of just left my awareness and then so that night at the end again I'm, I'm laying there and I'm feeling the bubbles around my womb and I'm feeling like wow I don't know what this is but this feels like a miracle and then I wake up in the morning I go to the bathroom and I wipe and I see blood and I realized oh I got my period and I'm kind of surprised because I wasn't expecting to get my period until after the retreat. And so I walk out and I watch the sunrise and I'm kind of just realizing, oh, 
I got my period with no pain. And as like the sun bursts through the clouds, I hear a voice say, did you like your gift? And I just started bawling, crying with all the, the just the, the realization with the UTI, the, the kitten purring on my womb, the bubbles that I felt, the, the zero pain that I experienced for the first time in three years since stopping birth control. For the first time, all of a sudden, there was no fucking pain. And that was the gift that I received. So when I say that I've received everything I've asked for and more from this experience, I I really, really mean it. And so as I'm sitting there and I'm like, how do I repay you? Like, how, how do I, and I hear, you don't have to repay you. There's nothing to repay. You did this work, but if there's a way that you could show gratitude, it's by believing and trusting that you are the medicine. And so from that point, I had decided I won't be drinking in my last, the fourth ceremony, because I really wanted to to show and to step into trusting that I was medicine. And so the next couple of days, I just felt really good. Like the, the anxiety was all gone. The, the pain, I, I, cause I had also, I had an ear infection at one point. I had diarrhea at one point. I had a, a herpes breakout at one point. And it's like, once my period came, everything went away. The herpes breakout took some time to go away. I think it it finished on my last day at the retreat, but there was no more pain and there was no more ear infection. There was no more diarrhea. It was like everything resolved itself with this gift. And, you know, just quickly going over the last ceremony, it's so funny because in the beginning, right, I'm, I'm afraid of drinking ayahuasca and now I hear Arlo, my extraction self, saying, I can't believe you're not drinking this final ceremony. We're, we're going to have a full of a, a fire circle at the end because that was when our isolation ended and you're not going to drink and everyone's going to be high and you're going to be sober. And I was just like, what? Like, why can't you just be happy? <laughs> why can't you just trust me? And so despite hearing that voice, I still didn't drink even when the second cup was called. And that night, I, I was I didn't know that that night we were finishing isolation, and the next day we were getting our phones. So I had to really, really use the lessons that I learned about presence in this time in this dieta. So I just hyper focused myself on the Icaros, and I was so hyper focused that the night flew by. I didn't sleep a wink. I was still so up. I sat by the fire and just talked all night, and I still felt the medicine move through me. I still felt the ikaros moving through my body. I I still felt my medicine activating. (sighs) And that last night, it's funny because they, everyone decided to sleep in the maloka that night, and all I wanted to do was be alone in my tombo. Regardless of any possible insomnia, I really, I felt sad that it was 
it was my isolation was over so surprisingly so that's just not how I am as a person by default but yeah I spent that last night in my tombow I slept like a baby the full night through I had one last hape ceremony that morning I sang all my songs and now here I am of course the whole experience of being in Iquitos such an intense dusty city (laughs) that was a ceremony in itself but I want to take a moment before signing off to just quickly talk about this last week of my post-dieta because it's been really hard. It's been really difficult. I've had, well, number one, just exhausted and hungry. I've been eating so much, resting so much. I lost 10 pounds, which I, you know, I think that that quote-unquote 10 pounds, it was more, I had a weight lifted off of me. I had chronic inflammation from being chronically repressed and overstimulated. That was lifted off of me. Um, But I also, you know, I felt the weakness of having lost 10 pounds and wanting to gain that back because I think a lot of it was muscle too that I had lost. You know, so just just like the honoring my body. But then what happened is I started having realizations about my childhood and other things just coming to the surface. And they were really, really hard emotions that at first I didn't know how to sit with. And then I knew that my body knew. So in dieta style, I spent a lot of time in silence and alone and I also felt the pull I I realized how this modern society is is really set up or I have set up my modern life in a way where distraction from the present being in the past and the future it's so easy it's so easy to get pulled off of center it's so easy to constantly fill my day with words and songs from other people rather than myself and also being in the jungle you're in peace the jungle is all around you and she brings so much peace and love if you're a jungle person of course i think if you're not really a jungle person then maybe it it feels different but here being in Orlando you have to search you have to search for the nature you have to search for the peace you have to work for it and you know that's been that's been difficult too and you know having my ayahuasca group we all got really close and we we keep in touch they all feel really have been feeling the high and while they were feeling the high of it I was feeling the low of returning to being human and so, you know, that that feeling that I left the retreat with was, for the first time ever in my life, feeling like there was nothing I needed to fix. All of a sudden, that feeling of, oh my God, I need to, I need to fix myself. I need to do the thing. I need to do the, the plant medicine, get the therapy, do all the things. That feeling was finally gone until more difficult realizations came to the surface and then all of a sudden I hear that voice saying oh you need to go do iboga now or (laughs) you need to do this or that and it's that voice is still there however that deep-rooted belief and that feeling is no longer there 
but I can imagine if, if I remain unaware and I allow it to flow that I would fall back into that rut because as Blas explained, when you walk a new path through the jungle, you can barely tell that a human walked through it. You have to walk through it again and again. And sometimes you need tools. Sometimes you need a machete to cut, cut a couple of vines and roots down so that you can walk that path and keep going down and down and down that path. And so that's what the songs have provided for me. And, you know, that's that's what integration is, is continuing to walk the path. Because like I said before, ayahuasca doesn't heal you. She teaches you. She shows you. You have to do the hard work itself you can't just wait for the the motivation the inspiration to come you have to remain dedicated and devoted through the darkness of your trail in order to find the light (sighs) and I had definitely around Sunday so today's Tuesday I have found the light once again I'm feeling really good. Finally, I'm having that like post ayahuasca bliss, those moments of gratitude, feeling near tears, feeling the call to meditate deeper. I've started this new book that is so good. It's speaking to my soul. And I've started this new devotional practice to a Hindu goddess, which I will get into at another point. So that's it. That's it. If you are still here, I appreciate you. This is clearly, you're here for a reason. This message is for the both of us. And I'm so grateful that you are walking this path with me. I'm so grateful that I'm no longer in isolation. (laughs) And I get to share this with you. I get to share with your energy and your dedication and your beautiful devotion to your path. It's interesting being back on social media and with this lens of devotion and seeing those who are really in it and getting to share in that energy. Thank you. I love you. (sighs) All right. I will be feeling your energy next week. 